Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. This week, I'm joined by Dr. Paul Shahub, a Sydney-based dentist with a special interest in aesthetic and reconstructive surgery. Dr. Paul comes from a long family of dentists and has had an interesting journey since graduation with taking some time off of dentistry. Dr. Paul loves winning over his patients and turning them into his biggest advocates. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of uh, CPD Junkie. I'm really excited to get into your story, uh, you know, gain some information about and share some of the knowledge that you've sort of uh, learned over the years as well. So uh, we mentioned earlier, um, you know, you come from a family of dentists. So t- tell me a little bit about what that's like having, you know, uh, people to look up to that you can learn from and follow. Yeah, it was good. So I remember my, my brother and I were younger. We were helping like in, in the holidays, we'd go in, we'd help dad out with, you know, little chores, like cutting the bibs in half for patients. And like, we, we were there, like, I, I don't know, it probably wasn't as much as what I remember, but I feel like we were there most days in the holiday running errands down the street. And yeah. I guess, so yeah, we were constantly kind of surrounded by it, which looking back now, I'm really thankful for it because I got good insight into what it's like to be a dentist. And I don't, dad, dad used to get to spend a lot of time with us. So I could see that he really loved work, but he could also... Um, had like a, a nice lifestyle around it too. So I really like that. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, that must be awesome. Do you still go back and you guys talk over cases and things or not so much of that anymore? Yeah, l- less than I used to. In my first couple of years, honestly, I'd, I'd call him definitely once a week to discuss cases. But some I, I remember one patient, he was in the chair and I was chatting with him, but I'm not really sure what we should do in this situation. And I was like, do you mind if I call my dad? My, my boss wasn't there at the time. He's like, yeah, it's fine. So I called my dad had him on loudspeaker in the room. We, we chatted out what we should do with this patient, which was really cool. But um, yeah, a little bit less now because I think that I've got a bit more knowledge. I, I don't need to as much, but it was actually a couple of weeks ago that, that I didn't call him for a case. So um, yeah, not as much as I used to, but yeah, sometimes. It must make some for some interesting family holidays around the table as well. <laughs> yeah, no, no dental talk at the table. Okay, that's a good rule to have. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned, you know, when we had a, in our pre-discussion that you took a few years off dentistry. I'm curious yeah. of what brought that on and what that experience was like for you. Um, so my wife and I got married in 2018. So that was when I'd just done two years of dentistry. And we kind of figured that if we didn't head overseas like then the next thing yeah. that happened is we have kids and then all of a sudden we're stuck and we can't go anywhere. So we figured, look, you know what? I'm, I'm happy. I've done two years in this job, which I wanted to do. I've learned a lot. She was happy with where she was in her career after those two years. And we just stuff it. Let's just go overseas. Yeah. And um, that's what we did. So we lived in Canada for a year. And oh, then nice. we also did a few months of traveling before that, and about six months afterwards. And we got back like a few months before COVID. So the timing was actually perfect. perfect. But- awesome. So uh, the last thing I want to ask you before we sort of jump into the meat of it was, you know, you yeah. mentioned that you you have a you know, passion for winning over patients and turning them into your advocates. And uh, I'm curious if you have any you know tips and strategies for those listening of how you do that. I think it's, I feel like as dentists, we, we are genuine people anyway, but I think them seeing that you are genuine and that you're, you're there to help them is super important. Uh, the other thing that I find and I think it just comes down to listening. Like you take the time to actually sit down in front of them, chat about nothing dental first, like chat about them to start. Where did you come from today? Oh, cool. Did you catch the bus or the train? Awesome. Yeah. 
And and then where, where is work for you? What do you do for work? So, you, so all of their guards might have been up at the start because they were nervous when they'd come in. As soon as they start talking about themselves and not dental, then they're like super cool. Awesome. After that, it's just about listening to their problems, why they have dental issues, why they are scared and not kind of just avoiding those questions. And then from there, it's just taking time. I feel I find that if, if you're rushing through those appointments, which often we don't have a lot of choice with because you might only get a half an hour spot to fit in an emergency patient. I think I'm lucky at my practice that we block out a little bit longer so I can actually spend a bit of time chatting to them and explaining what the problem is and how we're going to fix it. And then often with those patients, after the end of the appointment, they're like, okay, can I please come back for an exam so you can check all my teeth? You know, I had one guy, I'd never forget him. It was like 15 years since he'd been to the dentist, hates the dentist. Yeah. We did this big five surface filling for him. I, it was one of the hardest fillings I've ever done at the end of it. He's like, yeah, cool. Can I come back and see you? Because I want an exam. I, I thought that he, we would have lost him, but no, he's, yeah. he's been a great patient. That's so awesome. That's always a nice word of confidence. Yeah, exactly. All right. So with, with CB Junkie, obviously our whole goal is to, it's about courses and uh, dental education, and we want to make that as easy as possible. So uh, how I want to frame this is sort of ask you what your perfect clinical day is currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ask you sort of what courses you've done to get to that point where you are now. Yeah. So I guess the perfect clinical day for me at the moment Um I've still got a lot of CPD that I want to do, which I think that we're going to be addressing, but at the moment, like I'm, I'm starting to get a lot of Invisalign patients come back. So I, I've had some patients that I, I started with Invisalign last year and so, some of them are starting to, to now finish treatment up nice. and we're getting to a point that we're either doing a refinement or we're doing veneers or we're doing resin additions. And that's a bit that's really exciting because you have these long appointments that you block out. So you're not really time pressured and it's, it's like, it's like strenuous work, like you're constantly staring at these teeth shaping, yeah. but I, I really enjoy, enjoy that side of things. Um, but then as well, I, I enjoy the appointments where I guess I just like making things better, um, whether it be somebody comes in with a broken tooth and we're putting some ceramic or some gold on it to make it a stronger tooth. That's, that to me is really, really rewarding. Um, so I, I enjoy a day that's kind of filled with that stuff. And then if there's like an ROP in there, whereas a patient who's anxious and we, we win them over, then that's always a, a little bonus as well. But yeah. yeah, I'd say like heading towards like the, the aesthetic side of things and reconstructive dentistry is quite that's exciting. Awesome. I, like, I like how you phrase that of like making things better. That's a pretty cool way of like looking at yeah. what you have to do. Making something bad, making it better. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the CPD then. So what, what CPD did you, do, did you do before you started doing all these Invisalign cases and aesthetic cases? What's had the biggest impact so far? Yeah, so I'd say that probably the ones that, I'd say first off, there's been a few clinical ones that I've done that have been really helpful. Um, but if I was to give advice as to what's most important that I found was communication courses, because I think that anyone can have the knowledge in how to do something, but if you're unable to communicate that with a patient yeah. to get them to actually see value and why they should do that treatment, then there's, you're no different to someone who doesn't have that knowledge. Um, and then the, what you'll often hear them say is, oh, cool, thanks for letting me know. I'm going to have to think about it. Mm-hmm. But really, they just they don't they haven't bought into why they should do it. So I, I think that a big thing for me is I've done quite a few communication courses and I don't implement absolutely everything that I get from those courses. Some yeah. things don't really sit well with me. I, I kind of take bits and pieces from a few. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that has that has helped me. So I, I, a few that I've done, I've done one with Kinar Shah. I've done one with Mark Hassid. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the prime practice one. And then I also did the rapid efficient treatment planning with Lincoln Harris, which his was just basically slow everything down, build some trust with patients. And mm-hmm. from those, I guess, then getting the patients to go ahead was having the, the knowledge from the CPD courses. So one that I did with Dr. Michael Melkers, I did that one over in, um, in Colorado and in Denver. Nice. Um, that one was an occlusion one. 
which was super helpful just to kind of tie up a whole bunch of loose ends with occlusion and understand why restorations on anterior teeth might be breaking and how doing some orthodontics first might help to increase the life of those restorations. So a lot of my Invisalign cases have come from that patients wanting to fix anterior teeth, but then we discussed, look, maybe we should put the teeth in their right positions first and then fix them. Yeah. Um, that's an awesome one. I did that course. Uh, you came to, I don't know if it's as comprehensive as maybe the one you did over there, but you came to Melbourne, uh, maybe like two years ago, uh, yeah, yeah. like a functional occlusion one. Um, yeah, really interesting stuff, like to assess where and how, how that affects into like the overall functionality. And, and then you yeah, start seeing exactly. those patterns in your patients and stuff, which is really cool. Yeah. And once you see a little bit, you're like, oh my God, that guy has it. He has it. <laughs> and then you got to try and find the line. Like, I don't want to have this feel to absolutely everyone, but it, it yeah. changes how you see dentistry. Yeah. Um, Another good one that I did was these guys over in America. Um, it's Mike Brum and Bill Strupp. Um, okay. They've got, a, they've got a, a Facebook page as well. They're, they've got a course called Simplifying Complex. And basically it's like an, it's meant to be an A to Z on dentistry, how to take like a, a, like a patient who needs a full mouth rehab and how to do it basically from start to finish, which I don't know if you can teach it in only two days, but it yeah. was packed with knowledge. Um, and I guess just seeing how they teach dentistry and how they do dentistry, their idea is that, everything should be indirect it's either in ceramic or gold which i don't think that you know a lot of patients can afford that but they're, yeah. they're doing it as we do the best or we don't do anything type thing yeah. um, which i think resonated with me because i think as dentists we're a little bit scared sometimes to be offering a fifty thousand dollar treatment plan to a patient when sometimes that's that's actually what they need so i guess seeing these guys doing it literally on a day-to-day basis was like actually Maybe That's we really should cool. be offering this. Like so that, that one is, that one is yeah, cool. it's funny because um, I, I, on Tuesdays, I do some demonstrating with the dental students. And I'm, I'm trying to like hammer that point home of like not compromising your standards to like yeah. make the patient happy and things. But this is like taking it to that higher level of like, <laughs> I only do indirect, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, I think it's a little bit, a little like bit more extreme. Goals, yeah. Awesome. So let's, let's fast forward just a little bit then. So let's uh, think, you know, five years down the line. Yeah. Uh, tell me what you think your perfect day will be like in five days. Yeah, so I guess- in five years, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that I, I've, I'm doing a course this year by Guide. It's an implant one. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it starts off with like the very basics first. So I'm, I'm only doing kind of simple implant things to start with. But with the part of the learning that you do is that they're touching on like the all on four concepts. So someone has a terminal failing dentition and they can't smile, they can't chew, they can't use their teeth properly. Changing that person to then having like a, a fixed you know, arch of, of teeth that they can actually use and smile and chew with. That's, I think that would be where I'd, I'd want to be heading. Um, just kind of, kind of combining that with um, aesthetic cases. And I know that's a, it's a big ask and like you get, it's, it's high aspirations, but that, yeah, that would you gotta be, have goals. Yeah, exactly. That would be the ideal. And I think that, that sort of stuff is life-changing. And the, I, I think that the more life-changing things you can do, the more you'll enjoy dentistry for me anyway. And it's difficult and stressful stuff. And sometimes you're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> Um, but I think those are the ones that you can make the biggest impact. And I find that very rewarding. So awesome. Yeah. So obviously the big thing you touched on was communication and that's a huge theme, you know, through the CPG, we did one last week with uh, David Keir as well, and he was big on communication. So I think yep. that definitely is the thing I recommend most people start with. Yeah. Um, you mentioned some other courses, any other courses that have had a big impact on you so far in your career that you've done non, non-communication? Um, I guess the non-communication ones, um, Probably the biggest, I think that there's been some anterior ones that I've done. I did one with Maxim Belagrad. He's a guy on Instagram yeah. who you might be familiar with. His, his hand skills are like a robot. It's really impressive <laughs> to see. 
Um, so I did one with him that was like veneers and onlays and rubber dam. And that was like, it, it was nice just to learn how to use a rubber dam properly and the, the correct techniques when doing veneers. And once you kind of do these courses and you get the confidence in them, you find that more patients are then going ahead with the treatment because you understand how it all works and they, they kind of buy into that confidence. That was a big one as well. Um, was that one yeah, in person or online course? That, that one was in person. So that was, uh, I think, 2017 he came. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dental Ed brought him up. It was really good. It was a three-day course. That one was cool. That's pretty cool. And on the flip side of things, have you done a course that you thought was a bit of a, like, you know, don't necessarily have to name it maybe, but um, <laughs> a course that you did, and you like after you're like, oh, I didn't really learn much or I didn't implement that. It wasn't useful in that sense. Yeah, I find that the courses where they have a lot of speakers at them, so it might be a two-day course and um, there might be 14 speakers, like one per hour. Those ones, they're like little taste testers and you, you learn a little bit about something, but then you almost leave with more questions than you had to start with. Cause like, hang on, he mentioned that, but I, I don't really get how that works. And then they're kind of, I guess it's good for the speaker because then you're more interested to go to their courses, but yeah. those ones are always tough. So I, I guess they're nice to learn, you know, what, what are you interested in? What do you want to learn more about? But those ones are always hard to kind of implement. But the other ones that I've been to, the only other one that I find or I found that I didn't implement as much was it was a really really good course it was by tom giblin um it was a it was a denture i think it was called general dentures no dentures in general dentistry yeah and i just i didn't have enough patients that i was using this stuff for and also the materials that he'd be recommending i'd have to buy a whole bunch of new stuff which as a, an associate in kind of like their first year yeah you you can't really be be choosing what you want to be buying basically so his, I picked up a lot from it, but I couldn't implement it completely just because um, a lot of it was down to the materials as well that were being used. And, and that made it kind of difficult, but um, it was still a really good course. Awesome. Yeah. So, so the last thing I'll, I'll ask you, and we want to, you know, we want to keep this short and uh, high yield. Um, we got a lot of new grads and stuff listening to this or our members on CBD Junkie. If you were to go back and like plan out maybe like two, three years of courses, how would you mm -hmm. suggest they sort of uh, strategize that and lay it out? Um, yeah, so like I said, I think, um, first off, I'll say that doing courses younger in your career, I think, is the way to go. Some people want to wait till they're a little bit older and they've got more money saved. But I say spend as much money on courses at the start as you can because your, your day is as cheap as it is at the moment. Like in 10 years' time, you yeah. might care about your hourly rate and want to take less time off for, for courses. Do them now while you can. Plus, the knowledge that you'll get now is going to be with you forever. Mm -hmm. um, and the courses pay for themselves quite quickly. So I, I think that would be one. Do as many courses as you can at the start. But yeah, communication will be big to start with um, and learn how to use your, your camera as well. Mm -hmm. Taking photos to actually show a patient what's happening in their mouth is probably the biggest thing that changed my dental career and for my patients as well. Um, I think doing an occlusion course, so having a, an idea on why things don't work and why things do work and how we can make things work better, I think that's super important. And then... I don't know, just head down the path that you want. If you're interested in aesthetic things, do some aligner courses, do some veneer courses. If it's more um, endodontics, head down that pathway. But I think being able to communicate value to patients at the start is probably a big take home for me anyway. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great advice. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I really oh. I like your energy. I like your mindset on these type of things and um, the, the goals and stuff that you have for yourself are quite impressive. So uh, I'm excited to sort of follow you on your journey now and see how things progress. Yeah, and uh, we'll hope to have you back on once we uh, get a few more of these under our belt. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks awesome. so much, guys. Take care.